Not at all. Turn it up down here, man. Let's go. Underestimated and still I made it In the book of hard knocks, I'm highly educated Nobody told me looked over but still dedicated Played in the league for 13, I ain't gotta be favored Two Super Bowls, Honolulu, I stood with the greatest The thing is this, if never rich, I'm good with my neighbors DB precision, television, ain't ask for no favors Numbers don't lie, neither do pictures, just look in the papers No backing down or turning back, part two of the movie Never the biggest, but it takes more than two just to move me Ain't gotta like what I'm saying, just watch me go to work And tackle all of these topics right here on Face First Welcome to Face First I'm trying to figure out, you know, how to like open the show and make it cool But, you know, I work on that as the weeks go by Last weekend was a very interesting weekend. Last week was a very interesting week. Obviously, you go into the weekend and everything is about Tom Brady and everything is about Bill Belichick. And obviously, that's my job. So I had to seem extremely excited about that all week. But it wasn't the thing I was most excited about. The thing I was most excited about was going to the Rose Bowl and getting an opportunity to see my son Jordan play. Uh, Jordan is a football kid. His grandfathers and uncles played football. His dad played football. So his new uncles, who aren't necessarily blood-related, they also played football. He grew up in the locker room. There's pictures in my phone of Jordan and the rest of the kids who were younger than him because his dad started really early, and Jordan was the team babysitter. Not only was he the team babysitter, but on our run to the 2008 Super Bowl, because I always brought Jordan to walk through with me, Jordan would break us down. And so he started breaking us down, and we started winning games. And Coach T was like, we're not going to stop this. We're not going to break away from what's working, from what's tradition. And so it started a new tradition. On the Saturday walkthrough at the Super Bowls, you got to invite a family member. One family member, the next Super Bowl, it kind of grew to two. But that was started because of Jordan. In the, the big write-up of us winning the Super Bowl or in the Steelers, uh, I think I forget the name of it, in the Steelers magazine, Jordan has a picture in there of all of us holding him up as he's breaking us down in Tampa at uh, South Florida for the last time as you go to play the Arizona Cardinals. And so getting an opportunity to now see Jordan, who is a football historian, play in the Rose Bowl, I knew it would be a big deal to him, so it was a big deal to me. That was the game of the weekend for me. And now, when you have kids, man, you have these hopes and you have these dreams, and even before you ever see them or before they ever become anything, you have a vision for what their lives will look like before they do or before those lives even, those lives even materialize. You look at yourself and you say, I would love for my son to be like this. Or I would love for my girls to be like this. Like, that's what happens. So I have three kids. I have two girls. I have Jaden, who I'm actually going to have on the show next week. I'll get to introduce her to y'all. She's moved to San Francisco now. Um, she just has, she has a new job. She wants to work in media. She's getting an opportunity to do that. Uh, she loves women empowerment and she loves trying to help communities grow who she feels like are disenfranchised or undervalued. And so she's getting a chance to do that. And that's super cool. And I want to bring her on so she gets an opportunity to talk about that and how being a former high school athlete, a triple jump state champion, a soccer captain at Parkview Baptist High School has shaped her to who she is now. And then I have a daughter named Logan who's still in high school, right, who's still holding me down from spreading my wings and being able to fly as an empty nester. Uh, she's a junior in high school And I talked to her last night She's going to come on for Father's Day And tell you guys all the great things And all the awesome stuff I do as a dad Which probably won't be that awesome And she probably won't say I do all these great things Because I'm a dad to her of a daughter And the daughters are different 
But yet, your daughters get a level of tenderness from you that your sons can't actually afford. Because, see, you got to teach your sons different things and you got to put them in adverse situation and watch and watch them come out of those situations. And, you know, with your daughters, it's kind of like, yeah, I know you're going to take these lumps and some of these things are going to happen, but let me stand in front of you and be that shield. And with your son, you're like, nah, when you're taking these lumps and when you're going through these things, you get carried out on your shield. See, like those are the differences in the way that you teach these things. And so it's crazy that you have a son that you kind of try to steer away from having to follow in your footsteps. I didn't tell him that he shouldn't play football because I asked him when he was young, hey, Jordan, you want to play football? And he's like, yeah. I was like, sure, go play. Um, but I was the dad that stood on the side. I was the dad that didn't try to say much because I knew that my shadow or I knew that my voice was going to be louder than the other voices that were actually supposed to help him, even though I knew more than those voices anyway. And I knew I should have been talking. I said, no, I want him to have like the regular kid growing up playing football experience that other kids get to have. And so when he decides, you know, dad, this is something that I want to do. You always hope that the kid that follows in your footsteps, footsteps are so big that they totally eclipse yours. That if we were walking down the beach and I walk first and my kid follows me, there only ends up being one set of footprints because his are so much bigger than mine that mine's kind of just went away. And so, like, that's what you want. And I, you know, to, to get back to Little League, Jordan actually wasn't like this great Little League player. Like, he was very little. Uh, he was extremely fast and he was extremely scary. You know, so like I remember when he first goes out there, obviously we're in Pittsburgh. The, 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 the coach wants to put him out there, right? The coach wants him to play, wants to give him the ball. When they don't have pads on and they're just running around and catching footballs and doing things, Jordan's like burning the piss out of kids. He's fast as hell. He's quick as hell. But this was Pittsburgh and this was kind of back in the day. This was, you know, <clears throat> this was like late to like like late 2010s at, you know 2008 2000 so like they like hey go hit go do all that and Jordan's like nah I ain't gonna do all that you know so a coach asked him well Jordan why won't you hit it in there we put you at running back he said coach I ain't Jerome Bettis told him he said I'm more like fast Willie Parker you know and so then Jordan finds his niche you know he's gonna run around and he's gonna get footballs on the outside and he's gonna be fast and he's gonna do all these other things and I thought that was cool I was like okay Joe like that's it that's where you are but I was never putting pressure on him to be like this physical crazy football player like his father was and so then one year he just comes to me he's like dad I want to play flag I was like I don't care so we play flag and he loves it and he doesn't have to do all of these things and so as Jordan is growing up my thoughts are he's a great soccer player Everywhere we played soccer, it was club teams trying to get, and he just like, nah, dad, I'll just play with this little team. And I remember one of my favorite moments of him is he's playing with this little soccer team and he's playing like, you know, a Breck league or just a recreational league. So they just throw you in the team with whoever. And Jordan's very young and this other kid on the, um, the team that they're playing is really good. So that team wins and then Jordan and his team lose three to two. He's walking off the field and one of the kids is like bouncing around all happy. And he's like, oh, I wonder who won. Woo. And Jordan looks at him and he's like, they won. He's like, they scored three points. I scored two. They won. And so like Jordan's walking off and I do the parent thing in front of the other parents. Jordan, don't say that. Don't be selfish. Don't point to yourself for what you've done. And then when he's walking off, I'm like, nah, dog, you was right, man. Like you had some help, man. Y'all did better. Because I'm not always a great father. So what? Don't care. Love my kids. 
You know, and so we get to about the eighth grade. And so me and Jordan are having, having a conversation at this time. Soccer is done. He's playing basketball and football. Jordan's like 5'10". I knew Jordan wasn't going to be much taller than 5'10 around that time. And so he comes to me and he's like, Pop, I want to play college ball. Like, I want a college scholarship. I want to be an athlete in college. And I was like, okay, cool. You know, that makes sense. And I was like, well, what do you want to do? He's like, well, I love basketball. I was like, well, you're not going to be tall enough. I said, at the height you're going to be, you're going to be able to have to make every shot that you shoot from anywhere you shoot it. And you're going to have to be able to dribble a basketball with your eyes closed, your hands and your feet tied together and a hoodie over your head. And so I was like, oh, that probably won't work either. And so then we're talking, he's like, well, I want to play football. And at the time, he's playing wide receiver and corner. Now, the year before when we were in Virginia and he finished his last year of eighth grade there, he played really well at corner. He had like four or five picks, kickoff return, touchdowns. And at receiver, he was okay when he caught the ball. And I was like, well, Joe, I've watched you catch a football. It's not necessarily the most natural thing I've ever seen. I said, but you have natural quickness and change of direction and skill. And I was like, now, daddy don't know everything. But what dad does know is defensive back play. And if you want to go to college, I help you get there. And so when, he ha when he's like, okay, dad, that makes sense. I tell him, I said, now, since you've made this decision, that the reason you are now playing high school football is to get a college scholarship. Everything that I do, that I see, that I critique is going to be seen through that prism. It's not going to be seen through the prism of just playing football anymore, right? It's going to be seen through the prism of you want to be a college football player. So when you don't work hard, right? So when you don't want to get up at six in the morning and train. So when you're doing a certain drill with the coach that I, that I introduce you to or a coach that I'm paying for to teach you things so I don't always have to do it. When you're doing all these things, I'm only seeing those things through the prism of you wanting to be a college scholarship athlete. Now, whenever you're ready to not be those things, whenever you're ready to not do those things, tell me, Dad, I don't want to play football in college and I'll leave you the hell alone. So you can imagine what high school was like for Jordan, right? There's a lot of times I was told I was too hard on him. I was making him do too much. I was making him train too much. He was getting up at six every Monday and Tuesday and training at Traction Sports Performance. Why? Because I knew at some point he had to get up at six in college if that's what he wanted to do. When the other kids during the summer, when they were done at practice at 1145, he always had to come see me because there was always something else to do, whether it was work with the quarterback coach and the receiver so he could just get natural catching the football, whether it was do skill work with me, speed with Mo and Tevin. There was always something to do, so he had to come do it. And so he didn't get to live like the normal high school life in totality, but he had a great high school life. And so now the camp circuits start, right? And so when the camp circuits, so for people who don't know, recruitment has changed now. The camp circuit is almost as big as playing football games, right? So you got rivals and you got Nike opening. Then you got seven on seven. You have all of these things. So Jordan, how can I say this? Jordan grew up privileged, right? Jordan always went to the private school. Jordan always had the, the best things. And so sometimes when you grow up that way, there's a natural grit, hunger, and determination that you just can't have but you gotta learn it. And so we would go to these camps and a lot of these camps would be in New Orleans and these would be with kids who didn't grow up like Jordan. I'm not saying they grew up in a bad way, I'm just saying that their parents didn't have the means that I had, so they were put in situations where they had to go get it on their own. 
And so the kids would come to the camp. They'd stand the kids on the side and they'd say, okay, I want you to go up in these lines. And so you go up in these lines and these kids would jump Jordan and he would get like one or two reps. And obviously everywhere we go, I get to be on the sidelines. I get treated like a different parent because I am a different parent in the realms of football, not in just parenting, just in football. So I'm on the side. I'm like, Jordan, get out there. So here I am. I'm all pissed off. I'm all, I'm all mad and, and all of these things. And it's like, I'm like, bro, why won't you go? He said, well, dad, they told us we would go in these lines. And then it made it hit me that he's such a great kid, such a good kid. We've taught him to follow rules, to obey rules that he actually didn't know when he needed to step out for himself. And so I say to myself, then there are things I still have to teach him. And so now we start going to these camps. I'm like, Jordan, you got to go. Jordan, you got to go. And he starts to learn that. He starts to learn that if I'm in different places with kids from different places who grew up differently than me, the thing that they're thinking is I got to eat first. I got to get as many reps as I possibly can. I need to show all these people what I can do because football is actually my way out. That was when Jordan learned that having football as an option as something that you want to do is much different than having football as something that you have to do in order to change your circumstance. So he had to learn that he had to play, move, and work like football was going to change his circumstance. And when that clicked, he was different. So the sophomore, so his freshman year, summer goes by, we go to some camps, we get some good looks, but he hasn't necessarily played a lot of football. So people are like, we're going to keep watching you, we're going to keep paying attention to you, and then hopefully, eventually, if you continue to pan out, or you continue to work long enough, and, you, and some of the things and the potential we see in you uh, start to show on the field, then we'll offer you a scholarship. So we were like, cool, we're all excited. He works his butt off the entire summer after being hurt, breaking his ankle his freshman year playing, playing uh, basketball. And I remember him breaking his ankle, putting his, his shirt over his head when, we, when they finally told him in the hospital and saying, this is going to mess everything up. I'm not going to be able to work out. And that was important to me that he said, I'm not going to be able to work out, not that I'm not going to be able to play. Because it meant that the work that he was doing, he understand that the work was the thing that led to the play being good enough for him to get what he wanted. And I told him that day, you're going to be all right. Now, going into that sophomore season, the workouts were terrible, right? This is before I even cared about how long I had him out there. Before, you could wear catapults and do all that stuff and count steps. We were going to work until the work was done. And there were some days that he'd work and he'd cry and I'd throw footballs at him and I'd tell him, you can quit. All you got to say to me is that you don't want to play college ball and you can quit. He'd never quit. Now he'd cry and he'd hate me and he'd not talk to me sometimes when he got home. But that one statement, you can quit. All you have to do is tell me that you don't want to play college ball. He never did. And so sophomore year goes and he becomes the starter and he becomes the starter. And then the first week, of the jamboree, he's not tackling well. I think he misses like three tackles. I don't really care if Jordan misses tackle. I care how those tackles look. And those tackles look soft to me. Now, you also have to remember, Jordan's like 130 pounds at this time because no matter what chef I got the kid, no matter what we cook the kid, the stinking kid would not eat. And so, and so now, he gets to this year and the running back of that team is Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen is now a starting linebacker for the Baltimore Ravens. Patrick Queen, Queen was running around, through, and everywhere he wanted that night on U High, uh, the U High Cubs, which is Jordan's high school. And so 
The next week, we wake up. It's Tuesday morning, 6 a.m., before practice. I mean, before school. I walk out of the back of Traction Sports Performance in one of the in my facility. I walk out of one of the back rooms with a, my Super Bowl helmet on, my shoulder pads, and his practice jersey. Now, remember, Jordan's like 130 pounds. At the time, I'm like 205. If I walk out on the shoulder pads with Jordan's practice jersey on, I look like Icebox from the Little Giants, but just taller and darker. And I said, you're going to tackle me. I said, because if you can tackle me, if you're not scared to hit me, if you understand how to wrap me up, you understand how to do these things, then you can tackle kids. So that became our thing. Every Tuesday for his entire sophomore year, that is what we did. The first game of the season was against Rummel. Rummel was a, a, a huge high school here in Louisiana. Rummel High School is actually my high school rival. I went to Archbishop Shaw. We played for the megaphone. We got the megaphone four years. One year, it was my senior year, we get the megaphone. We're playing against the best team Rummel had had to the time. They got a new coach. My, my def Their defense coordinator used to be our linebacker coach. I get not necessarily run over because I make the tackle, but I was like physically dominated kind of on the play. Right, so the defensive coordinator who used to work at Shaw, who's now at Rummel, puts his mic, his hand over his microphone, and he goes, "Gain some weight." And I told him, "Watch this." Right. Two passes later, interception. Quarter later, another interception. Two interceptions. We beat the brakes off of them. So their captains have to hand our captains the megaphone. That's the way it works. We hold the megaphone for a year. We give the megaphone back to Rummel or whoever we give it to when we play the game again, and then we get it again if we win or they get it. So this is my fourth year getting it. The linebacker who hands it to me goes, it's okay, you won't win it next year. I said, I don't really give a damn because I ain't going to be here. That was a stupid statement. So they're playing Rummel. It's the first drive. Uh, they're on about the 10-yard line, 9-yard line. They have a boot to Jordan's side. Kid runs in the end zone. He runs a quick comeback on the outside. Catches a touchdown on Jordan. It's his first start in the regular season game. There's some other kids on the team. Jordan is clearly the best cornerback on this team. It wasn't even close. They yank Jordan. They pull him out of the game. One more series goes by. It starts to thunder, lightning at the stadium. It's a turf field. The field begins to bubble and raise. They cancel the game. So we go home. They're going to replay the game the next day, starting from where it was. Now, at this point, you highs down 7-0 to Rumble because Jordan has given up a 10-yard touchdown, and they pulled him. So my expectations are you pull Jordan to settle him down because he's proven to you that he's the best corner on this team. He's going to come back and play. Doesn't play defense at all the rest of the game. Now, the kid that he is guarding goes on to break the Louisiana receiving record. I think he had like four touchdowns of like 80 yards. He ends up with over like 300 yards of, uh, of offense. Uh, receiving, He's jumping over kids' heads. Boom. Plucking it off their heads. He's mossing kids. He's gym-boying kids. Dunking on kids. Whatever you want to call it, he's going absolutely nuts. They never put Jordan in. Now, remember, Jordan got pulled for giving up a 10-yard touchdown. This kid's going crazy. He's in the Louisiana record books, right? He set himself on the way, on the path to get him an opportunity to get a scholarship. He was a junior at the time, and they never put Jordan in. Jordan plays special teams, plays gunner, plays kickoff, plays it, goes crazy. Now, here's stupid dad, right? Here's dad that loves his son more than he loved me because I've gone through things like this, 
right? I've been undrafted, right? I've been I've been cut, right? I didn't start as a freshman in high school. I didn't start as a sophomore until late in the season. Like I dealt with all these things, and dealing with all these things for me was fine. Like I'm not tripping on that. It's me. I know how to deal it, deal with it. I know the adversity, but as a father, it kills me. So here I am, my mom sitting next to me because she's like me. She got tears in her eyes. I'm sitting next to her. My eyes watering up. I walked down to the field after the game, which I thought Jordan played well in on special teams, played hard as I'd ever seen him play to this point in his life. He was physical. He was fast. He was energetic. He was a part of it. I, I couldn't believe that my kid cared so much about this team or about these people that benched him when he shouldn't have been benched, or at least if he was benched for giving up a 10-yard touchdown, you should have been benched for giving up them other three 80-yard touchdowns. He never once complained. And he told me, Pop, don't trip. I got this. Now, Jordan was 14 at the time, and so when he tells me this, I'm like, shut up. You know, Pops don't trip. But he said, I got it. Now, I was one of those dads who used to watch every practice. I still am one of those dads. So I had his huddle. I'd watch him at practice. And then next week, they were like, okay, we're going to work you into some packages. Next week, he gets a pick. PBU. Tackle's great. Jordan starts every game from that point. Jordan's all district. Jordan's all state. All Louisiana. Under Armour All-American. All of these things. Jordan had a coach that kind of picked on him. I don't know why he picked him. I don't know if he liked Jordan. I don't know if he didn't like Jordan. I don't really know what it was. Jordan ended up being a captain his senior year. There were times that I had to. There was a time. I'm not going to say times. There was a time I walked on the field. There was a time when I walked on the field very calmly to ask a coach, when can we discuss a certain thing? He told me we're not. I said, well, we're going to discuss it, and we're either going to discuss it here on the field like adult men, or I can meet you and set up a time in your office. I tell him this. He calls the cop over. The cop was a huge Steeler fan. We had already talked early on in the day when I walked on the sideline to speak with Jordan about why he wasn't playing. And he wasn't playing because the coach didn't want them to wear black socks. Jordan used to wear ankle socks that you couldn't see. And it looked like under his shoe, the shoe he had on, because I bought him the shoes he wanted, the shoe he had on, like I had like a little sock. He pulls Jordan's so shoe open, sees that he has on a footy that's, uh, or, or whatever you call those socks, a no-show sock that's black, and he doesn't play. So the kids run over to me when I get to the game. Hey, Mr. Ryan, they're not going to start Jordan. They're not going to start Jordan because he got on black socks. I said, but you can't see his socks. So, he, so I call Jordan over. I say, Jordan, if they don't put you in the game to start, I'm going to come on the field. This is probably not the thing to do. It's probably not the thing a coach shouldn't do. But this is at the time and time again of coach messing with him. Right, and so this happens, and I walk on the field. I talk to Jordan. Everything's fine. After the game, I try to talk to the coach. Coach calls the cops over on me. So we have the meeting. So we're in the meeting. I go to the meeting, and I have every violation that ever happened from a uniform standpoint. I have those pictures screenshotted on my iPad. I also have those things, those things printed out. So I'm able to show this is the different way that you're treating my son as opposed to how you're treating everybody else. And so when that happens, I go in there with that stuff, and we talk to the coach, and I'm obviously right. The coach makes a lot of excuses why he does this. I don't see everything, this and that. I say, but you see everything that he does. I say, so that's an issue to me. I don't have an issue if those are the rules and you abide by those rules and everybody has to abide by those rules and you put those rules into place and you execute those rules the same way for everybody, but you ain't do that. That's a problem to me. So we go through, the AD is there, the, the, the coach is there, right? Jordan's there and we're having these conversations. The principal's there, the disciplinarian. And then the conversation comes to a close. And I tell him again, I said, well, I said, I also feel that Gordon McKernan, who's like the number one injury attorney here, uh, the kindest, sweetest human I know, um, but also very well off. 
right? I said, I felt like if Gordon would have approached you to talk about his son, whose name was JG, who was the quarterback, I said in the tone and in the way that I approached you very calmly, very adult-like, very professionally, that you would not have told the cops to come to come over. You would not have asked the cops to get in between you. I said, so either that means like one of three things. I said, number one, it means I'm some dumb black athlete who can't resolve things without violence, right? Which I am not because then I wouldn't be where I am in life and I would have gotten in more trouble than I've gotten into. I said, two, you think somebody who's accomplished things that you could not in your football career would waste that all on you. Clearly not something else I'm going to do. I said, or number three, number three, you feel like you've done something to my child, right, that would warrant me beating the piss out you. I said, here's what I'm going to tell you. It was number three, because you don't put your hands on my kid, right? Not just, not, not just mistreat him or talk to him a certain way, but you don't touch him. I said, but... If you felt like I was going to do something, then, then you didn't call the cop early enough because I was way too close. I closed my notebook. I put my iPad up, put my backpack on, I walk out. Never had an issue with that coach again. Because as a father, your thought is always, I need to protect my kid. They go on, they're 26 and no, this team has a great, great time. They're, they're voted the best team in Louisiana football history. A ton of these kids go to college. A ton of these kids are doing well right now. Jordan decides to go to Arizona State. Has a great freshman camp. Sports hernia first game. Plays in the bowl game. Does pretty well. Sets, him up, sets himself up for the next year. Next year is obviously COVID, but there's, but there's, there's four games. I thought he played okay. I don't think he solidified a position to where, you know what, it couldn't be moved. And, and now he's in a fight because there's a senior who's there who wants to play the position, and now he has to battle. Gets into the spring. Jordan becomes a part of this wonderful group called The Collective, and he's like, you know what, Pop, I'm trying to find my words outside of football. Doesn't necessarily have the spring he has, but the one thing I know about him is if something's broken and it has to do with work, he's going to work to fix it. Turns into a different human in the summer. From a work ethic standpoint, I send him to Miami to work. Uh, he comes back home to work. He's doing extra when we're out there for when we're out there for the DB retreat. Has an amazing camp. Gets himself an opportunity to start at nickel, right? Which is what he wanted to do. Misses the first game because of hamstring. Comes back playing playing the first game. Plays great. UNLV gives up a flea flicker, and so now we're at this point where every time he's playing in the slot, he's doing so well, but he has the one play. And so now we're playing against UCLA. UCLA has a slot receiver that's extremely good. ASU has a corner that's a pro. His name is Chase Lucas. They move Chase inside because they want Chase to be on that guy. That makes sense to me now. It didn't make sense to me then. Because all I know is I'm at the Rose Bowl, a place where my son has dreamed of playing, a place where he wants to play. And now because he plays the slot, but this other guy plays in the slot, Chase is their best corner. They want Chase in there. Jordan's not playing. I'm like, what the hell? And I can be honest, I'm being sour dead. Things are happening in, happening in the game that are good for ASU, and I'm not necessarily cheering. I don't want, I, the one thing I'm not going to do is wish bad on somebody else's kid, wish bad on one of Jordan's friends. So am I happy? Absolutely. But the overwhelming feeling is that Papa Bear feeling of wanting Jordan to get the things I feel like he's worked for, I feel like he's earned, but that I know that he wants that I know that he's wanted since he was in eighth grade and he told me, Dad, I want to play in college, right? So now my thought is like, oh, man, like he's wanted to play in the Rose Bowl so bad. He was so excited about this, the history of it, all these things, and he's not getting to play. 
again, like I say, I watch everything. I watch the practices when practices when I can, when I'm with them and I can use his iPad, do all these things, right? I watch every single snap of the game. Not only when I'm at the game, I watch it when I'm home. I watch when I get his iPad. So all of these things I do. And I'm like, man, like you've just flat out balled that nigga. Like you've been amazing. He's probably gotten five targets in man-to-man coverage. He's given up one catch and that catch was a tackle for loss. And the worst part is because I understand these things, it makes it hard for me to see the other things. So all of a sudden, probably early in the third quarter, I see Jordan run off the sideline and he's playing corner. Now this is peculiar to me because Jordan doesn't practice at corner. And I know this because I get to watch the practices. So I'm like, what the hell? So now I'm nervous. Like, no, move Chase outside because Chase plays there all the time. Move Jordan in the slot because I think he could dominate the dude that's playing in the slot. And now we got something. Now we cooking with grease. So that was my thought. And so now I'm even more nervous because I get more nervous watching him play than when I played because I was like, I don't want him to give up a ball. I don't want nothing bad to happen. Like, I want him to be in a place where he's secure. Then I'm watching him. And I'm like, man, Jordan out there confident as hell. But then I'm still wondering, why in the hell would you put him at corner when he doesn't practice at corner and Chase is the corner who started there for four years? Switch him up. Switch him up, coach. Right, that's when I want to come out the stands, jump out the stands like I did in high school. Good thing that day I jumped out the stands in high school. We were actually in the LSU indoor facility. So it was more so like walk down the stairs and across the back of a field than have to jump like over the fence. Because I'm not as athletic as I used to be. That was like three years ago. Maybe I could have did it then, but I can't do it now. My hips are bad and stuff. I'm going to have to get the Shannon Sharp hip replacement or whatever it was Charles Barkley got or whatever all these people are getting that they got all this metal in their body. Then I'm not going to be able to go through. I'm on a tangent. Never mind. Right? So I'm 38 hot. So hot that I love popcorn. I can't even eat the popcorn I bought at the Rose Bowl. Who doesn't want to eat Rose Bowl popcorn? Got to be freaking great, right? Well, it wasn't great because I had a bad taste in my mouth. I couldn't figure out why my kid who had practiced that one thing the whole time wasn't playing. So he's at corner, <clears throat> playing extremely well. I mean, locking up. Like, I couldn't have been more proud. They get to the goal line. It's a, they're, they're up by nine at this point. Um, it's in the fourth quarter. It's a huge play. Uh, the, the, the quarterback for UCLA is an extremely athletic player. This kid was a big-time receiver before he moved the quarterback at um, – at Bishop Gorman, now at UCLA, he scrambled all night. Everything that they've gotten has been because he's been on the move. Right? He, he, he's, he's made this play. He's made that play outside the pocket. So now they run the option. So Jordan's backside, they run the option. The linebacker takes the, takes, takes the pitch, man. So now it's just Jordan and the quarterback, open field on a three-yard line. This quarterback's probably 6'2", 2 215 pounds, strong, fast. Joe, 5'10", 188. Open field tackle, you got to make it. Now, this is not a position that you're in a lot when you play corner or you're in a lot when you are the nickel guy where you just by yourself on the goal line, got to make this tackle. It's just not a position Jordan has been in. Makes the tackle, great play. Crowd goes crazy. To me, defensive play of the game. Next play, they run an option. Linebacker, t- linebacker stops him. Fourth down stops. But the play of the drive is the play that Jordan makes. If Jordan is not playing corner, the position that I didn't want him playing because I didn't feel like he practiced it enough, then he's not in a position to make that play. That play probably changes the perception of Jordan because he doesn't play outside a lot. Probably changes the perception of who he is. Probably changes the perception to the coaches. It probably locks him down that nickel spot forever long he wants to play. Right? So even though I'm all pissed off and all of these things that happens, all's well that ends well, they beat him by 20, they got a win in the Rose Bowl. 
the Arizona State University. Uh, Sun Devils get a win in the Rose Bowl, and hopefully they'll keep winning and get an opportunity to play there again for the Pac-12 championship. I mean, play there, play there again for the Rose Bowl if they win the Pac-12 championship. Dad's still mad at postgame because dad's an idiot, right? Dad's stupid, right? Dad's ignorant. So Jordan walks out. We're having a conversation, and he's talking to his closest friend on the team who plays safety, who also had to play that night because of injuries. And they're talking about how great the kid in the slot did, how he locked that up. They're talking about the play that Jordan's made, the fact that they won the game in the Rose Bowl. Jordan's telling me that before the game, he almost cried walking in because it was the Rose Bowl. Not because it was the Rose Bowl as in the game, the granddaddy of them all, but it was the stadium. And for a kid who grew up loving football, living football, who made a decision in the eighth grade, he wanted to play football in college, that's not going to play in Death Valley like his dad did. Playing at the Rose Bowl is very similar. Right. It's the history. Right. It's it's he said he felt the feeling of hearing the national anthem like it was the biggest game, the biggest venue he'd ever played in because it was. And then to get an opportunity to make that play and have that chance. Like to him, like I've never seen him this happy about football. And so I ask because the football dad came out of me. Why didn't they put you in slot and why were you playing corner when that's not really a lot, a lot of what you practice? And he's like, oh, dad, I just put myself in the game. I was like, what? So one of the guys that was playing corner gets cramps early in the third quarter. They say, we need a corner. Jordan runs out there. I say, you was cool. I was like, but you don't really ever practice it. He's like, yeah, but I know exactly what we play and anything else. I was just going to press guys, be physical with them and not let them catch the football. I say, so wait. I say, so what happened that you never came out? He's like, I just kept running out there. Now, if you've been with us this entire time, think back to the camp circuit. Remember the camp circuit, I couldn't get Jordan to jump out off the sideline. Jordan would stay in line. Jordan would follow the rules. Because Jordan didn't necessarily have that, 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 that need, and football wasn't a necessity at the time to change, him, change his circumstances. So that hunger was different. And we talked about that and, and we harped on that and we wanted to change that and we eventually did. And because he had got, because he had to go through that, he now had the confidence because of the work he's put in, because of the things he's done to jump out. Because he realizes that sometimes jumping out is the only way to show the hunger that what is happening on this field is a necessity. It's something that you need to change your circumstances. And so... He makes this play, and I'm walking off, and I'm still being stupid dad, though, right? Because I'm hearing him say, you know, that the guy in the slot played great, which he did. He's a great player, you know? He gave us some catches. I was like, Jordan, I know that Chase played great, man. I was like, but you deserve to get that opportunity to face that kid who was really good because Jordan played him last year. I felt like Jordan would have did a really good job on him. Chase would have been amazing outside. I was like, you deserve that opportunity. I was like, you worked for that opportunity. And I said, I said, I know. I said, I'm gonna let you enjoy it. I said, but I just love you, man. Like I just care. Like I want you to be in the best position to succeed. And Jordan sends me a text as I'm walking away, and I guess he's on the bus. And it says, "Dad, I'm blessed. It's for real, for real." He just put F R F R because he's a 20 year old kid. He said, "We just won a game in the Rose Bowl. This is a long way from being benched at Rumble." And now that made me think, because at this time, I'm not even thinking about Rumble. I'm not even thinking about the fact that Jordan got benched 
because he gave up a 10-yard out route. I'm not thinking about the fact that even though he had proven all of those things throughout that entire offseason of, of, of work, through all the camps, through all these different things he had gone through to get the starting position at U-High his sophomore year for that game against Romo, I forgot that even though he had shown all that, giving up one 10-yard out route meant he wasn't good enough to play the rest of that game. But Jordan remembered that. Jordan remembered that experience. So Jordan said, Dad, I'm a long way from that. Now, there's something I forgot to tell you about that night at Rumble. The kid I was talking about that got the 10-yard out route touchdown on Jordan that eventually broke in a Louisiana record that night also went on to play at LSU. While playing at LSU, he won the Bolitnikoff Award. Uh, he opted out of the COVID season. And he was the fifth overall pick of the draft by the Cincinnati Bengals. Not only was he the fifth overall pick of the draft, but he was the offensive rookie of the month. He has the highest rate amongst rookies when facing one-on-one coverage. That kid's name is Jamar Chase. Jordan got benched against Rummel for giving up a 10-yard out to Jamar Chase. Took that lesson with him. So it was like when Jordan got an opportunity to jump out and showing that getting on that field was a necessity, he felt, something that he needed to change whatever circumstance he needed to change, he remembered that sometimes you got to jump out. He remembered that they're not going to always put you out there. You got to work your way out there. That taught me a lesson when he said, Dad, I'm blessed for real. It's a long way from being benched at Rumble. It taught me that people, even your people, are some of their experiences. So you can't let the math of your life subtract from the lessons that their life lives have taught them. I learned from my kid this weekend. My kid made me better. It is a hell of a long way from Rumble. Rumble to the Rose Bowl is a long way in distance. It's a long way in time. It's been a long way in experiences. But I'm damn glad he got him. This is Face First. See you next week. Underestimated and still I made it In the book of hard knocks I'm highly educated Nobody told me looked over but still dedicated Played in the league for 13 I ain't gotta be favorite Two Super Bowls, Honolulu I stood with the greatest The thing is this, I'm never rich I'm good with my neighbors